In the early 1970s, science fiction writer Ursula K. Le Guin wrote a novella, which is something longer than a short story and shorter than a novel. A novella entitled, The Word for World is Forest. It takes place on a far distant planet called Athshi, which is being colonized by, you guessed it, humans. The title of the novella comes from the fact that while oceans cover most of the planet's surface, all of the land is covered with trees. The Athshians, native to the planet, have a single name, Athshi, for both forest and world. The word for world is forest. It makes one think about our word for world, earth. Earth, both the planet and the soil, the ground beneath our feet, the dirt from which things grow. It is that spinning blue-green ball, yes, and it is that which falls in clumps through our fingers, which fills behind our nails, which leaves clear imprints on our knees when we are pulling weeds. Not that I do that as often as I should. The word for world is earth. Life is a planetary thing, writes another science fiction author, Kim Stanley Robinson. It begins on a planet and is part of that planet. It develops to live where it is. And I wonder sometimes if we, as a society, if we have let that realization really find a home within our society. Now, I know that individuals and cultures fall along the whole spectrum with the ability to truly integrate this awareness. And I realize that for myself, I have often thought of the environment as out there, something separate from me that I can choose to enjoy or engage. I've often thought of the world as a place where I live rather than a planet of which I am a part. A planet which, among its many wonders, includes me. Just a place where I live. Now, some of that may come from my obvious love of science fiction, you may say, as evidenced by my choice of readings and references today. The Earth is simply one of a multitude of planets that populate science fiction, right? But while it is true that the plots of science fiction often include space travel and the adventures or misadventures of visiting other planets across time and space, the world most consistently explored in the greatest science fiction is Earth. The story doesn't have to take place on Earth to explore the ways in which we understand or misunderstand our undeniable connection to the Earth. And I'm not talking a connection in some kind of patriotic, nationalistic, loyalty test, allegiance to Earth in a future war of the worlds. I am talking about the life-giving, interdependent web of all existence can't separate my life from the planetary life of which I am a part kind of connection. The Gwyn captures some of the unfortunate fate 
of the colonizer. The colonizers can invade and overpower and take land. They somehow never feel a real sense of belonging. Cruelty, subjugation of others, defense against invaders follows from that. The ironic hypersensitivity about who deserves to be here. I'm not a part of the planet as a colonizer. I own a part of the planet. It is a place that is mine. It is a place where I live, separate from me and I from it. My world is me. Earth is just a place where I live. For now. Some religions have certainly fed into a perception of Earth being a very temporary address. I am a pilgrim and a stranger just to traveling through this wearisome land. I've got a home in that yonder city, dear Lord, and it's not, not made by hands. Now, I don't wish to wade into any speculations about the afterlife nor pretend that I, with my limited, contextual, individual, privileged perspective, can understand the power of that vision for those whose existence is filled with pain and struggle here on this earth, or those who are inspired by such a vision to create the kingdom of heaven among us. But I have to wonder if on a less reflective level, these kinds of ideas are sometimes swallowed up in a consumer culture to justify treating this planet and its many resources as exploitable by its temporary residents. As I heard one radio preacher in Arizona say, sure, God wants us to be good stewards of the earth. But let's face it, folks, this is all going to burn and we will see a new heaven and a new earth. A new earth. Some feel like they have seen glimpses of a new earth. Not a replacement earth, but a transformed and transforming earth amidst these very dark times. As people stay home, earth turns wilder and cleaner. These before and after images show the change, reads the headline, in an Associated Press article by science writer Seth Borenstein. An unplanned, grand experiment is changing Earth, it begins. It talks about sightings of animals, jackals, goats, monkeys, pumas, in urban areas. The animals are always there, says conservation scientist Stuart Pym of Duke University, but many animals are shy. They come out when humans stay home. Smog stopped choking New Delhi, and the people in Punjab can see the Himalayan mountain range more than a 100 miles away for the first time in decades. Nitrogen dioxide pollution in the northeastern United States is down 30%. Rome air pollution levels from mid-March to mid-April were down 49% from a year ago. Astounding before and after photos of a wide variety of commonly polluted urban skylines fill the news and social media feeds. Tim goes on to say, this is giving us an opportunity to magically see how much better 
it can be. And I get that almost. It is hard to deny the power of those pictures and statistics and stories. But before I rush to deem it magical, I must remember, of course, what has allowed this circumstance to occur. I must remember all those who have died and who are dying, those who are sick or will become sick with this virus, those who have lost jobs and homes and resources, those who lived on or over the edge already and are being pushed into greater suffering and insecurity. Those who work in hospitals and clinics who are risking their own lives and security to care for others, forced to make decisions about the allocation of tragically limited resources, knowing that they could switch positions with the people they care for on any given day. I must remember these people before I say, and I'm guessing to my regret that I maybe even have said this, that the planet is healing. People are sick and dying and struggling to survive, and the people who suffered the most from filling the air with pollution and the water with plastic and waste and the soil with pesticides, they are also suffering the most in these circumstances that allow us to see the air clear and the animals come out of hiding and the dramatic changes charted by satellite views. Lives are ending and lives are challenged. Lives that began on this planet and that are a part of this planet. But if these pictures, if the stories and the photos and the statistics revive our awareness of how we are inextricably connected to the earth and to one another, If the skyline's clearing in a matter of weeks provides hope, not for what could happen if we stopped living, but for what we could do intentionally and compassionately, grounded, grounded in the soil, the dirt, the earth, grounded in our deepening awareness of those connections, most explicitly to care for those who are most vulnerable than those pictures and stories and statistics hold promise that can provide hope. If we can say, along with Denise Levertov, we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. We have only begun to imagine justice and mercy, only begun to envision how it might be to live as siblings with beast and flower, not as oppressors. There is too much broken that must be mended, too much hurt we have done to each other that cannot yet be forgiven. We have only begun to know the power that is in us if we would join our solitudes in the communion of struggle. Just think of it. Many of those most vulnerable to the virus, their respiratory conditions are often caused by or exacerbated by fossil fuel emissions. Many of those who are out of work could be employed in providing clean energy infrastructure and production. The sacrifices we have made to protect one another could grow and expand to address access to health care, racial injustice, and an economic system which allows some people to be treated 
as expendable. The theological question that struck me the most, says Alandria Williams, speaking of her conversation with people from 17 countries, is do we honor each other's humanity? Do we honor what the earth is for us as a guider, a teacher, a nurturer, a protector, the earth as us? We are not separate. Do we believe that we are in a time that is calling on us to have a different conversation? that is not about economics, but going back to community. Because if we actually believe that every living creature is worthy and that we are also worthy, then how we move with the earth and her resources, how we move with ourselves will be entirely different. I'm reminded of an experience I had a few years ago, and some of you may have heard me tell this story before. But I was driving away from Bond's grocery store, and a homeless woman in a wheelchair was pushing a box in front of her about the size of a small refrigerator, and the box had tipped across the parking lot exit. She was busily trying to collect the stray items and write the box with cars driving around her, and in the midst of an uncommon light rain. I pulled across the street thinking at first that it was just too hard to stop now and find a place to park, and then realizing how ridiculous that was for me to think. I circled back and found a parking place. She smiled as I approached. Hi, I said. It looks like you could use some help. Yes. Thanks, she said, and she then launched into a description and history of each item I retrieved from the street to put back in the box, and then to talk about the box itself and how handy it had been to have such a box, which I saw now had small caster wheels on the bottom. I noticed there was a way to attach the box with bungee cords to the chair, but we didn't bother with that at this point. Once we had put things back in the box and righted it, I was admittedly puzzled. But now, she said she just needed to get it to the end of the block where her friend would meet up with her and they could handle it from there. I steered the box, holding the door on its side closed and realizing that one of the bungee cords probably wrapped around the box to secure it. When we reached the end of the block, she thanked me and I wished her well, and then paused. I was wondering what would happen from here, and quite frankly, wondering how involved I wanted to become. I gazed down at the loading docks behind the grocery store, and then down the street. Do you um, do you have a place to be? I asked. She looked at me as if I had asked a very silly question. Well, yeah, she said with a short laugh. It's called Earth. The word for world. It's called Earth. She knew that she was a child of this planet, and she reminded me that I am too. 
we have only begun to love the earth. We have only begun to imagine the fullness of life. So much is unfolding that must complete its gesture. So much is in bud. <laughs>